So thank you so much for connecting to this part of the service together. We're sharing this message series as well as uh, Kingfisher FM, our local radio station here in Mandela Bay. We're in part two of a message series I have titled Winning in Two Worlds. You can catch up on the first one if you didn't uh, get it uh, by going onto YouTube and um, having a look at the playlist there. Uh, and um, I, I'm going to share a message I've titled The Gospel on Toast this morning. Now, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're bread eaters because, you know, sometimes bread is evil, sometimes bread is good. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, people are, are on something and off something. It all seems to be quite uncertain. I do know, though, that the Bible has a lot to say about bread, different kinds of bread, manna in the Old Testament and bread of life in the New Testament and the bread and fish given to the, uh, to the 5,000. The gospel is lost to say about bread. I, I also want to talk to you about this morning about three meals spiritual meals that I think every Christian should know how to prepare. So that's where we're going in our conversation this morning. I wonder how many of you are good cooks? Uh, I, recently, <laughs> I recently got to speak, spend some time with a couple of our, our young students who've just um, uh, signed up at the university here, uh, have a cup of coffee with them, find out how they're doing. One of the greatest stresses for young people made me remember what it was like when I first got to the university is cooking for yourself. Except I do feel that your world is a little easier than mine uh, was as a student. First of all, uh, you have Mr. Delivery, which I think is a gift that should have been introduced to the world sooner. Uh, secondly, you have air fryers, which is the one-stop cook-everything dish. When I was a student, we had an electric pan that plugged into a thing and you tried to make everything in there. And if that didn't work, you just put the noodles straight into the kettle. <laughs> oh, you've, oh, you've all done that. And not those fancy kettles you've all got now where you can't see the element. We just cooked it in the element with the thing. And if you wanted a bit of protein, you boiled some eggs, same time. Really, just me. You may be laughing now, but I'm going to tell you that some of you may be preparing your spiritual food. Like that. And then you're always hungry, or you think the gospel doesn't taste very good, but your preparation method is not powerful to fulfill the purpose that God has in mind in your life. And so I'm looking forward to engaging this conversation with you. You know, in John chapter 6, there is a conversation about bread. John chapter 6 is, in my mind, one of the most exciting chapters in the Bible. It's the one where Jesus feeds the 5,000. It's surely the biggest church service recorded in the Bible. 5,000 men plus women and children all gathered around, and Jesus is teaching them for a couple of days. And... Just to let you know a little of how the story goes, uh, Jesus, the disciples come to Jesus and say, we don't, you know, these guys are hungry, they're gonna faint, what should we do? And Jesus said, I love this verse. Jesus said, uh, find them something to eat yourselves. And the next verse says, for Jesus was testing them since he already had in mind the miracle he was going to do. 
And let me tell you, anybody going through a test should know that that test comes with the master already having in mind the miracle he's going to do. You never enter a test without knowing the outcome of that test is recorded in heaven. And so the disciples are a little confused and uncertain about what they should do. And in the end, you know, many of you will know the story. Here are a couple of loaves, here are a couple of fish. And of course, one of the tests of your English skill is how you say fish. It's, uh, I get asked regularly, say it. And then you can tell if you're from KZN, from the Eastern Cape, from the Western Cape. So we'll, we'll have that conversation on another day. And the Bible says there was so much food left over that they collected 12 baskets of food. One for every disciple to go and give to someone. And that must have been one of the most exciting church services ever. I mean, I'm pretending it's a church service, just an outdoor one. But by the end of the chapter, chapter six, it also was the greatest exit of people no longer following Jesus ever recorded in the Bible. Ah, you weren't expecting that. And just to play with our minds a little, John chapter six, verse 66, which when written together, is six, six, six. It says, from this time on, many disciples turned their back on the Lord and no longer followed Him. I mean, how hectic is that? Start the chapter with good food, good experience, a nice fish and chips experience. I don't know where the chips part came in. I think this is eaters in my mind. And then end... And then end with, I don't know if I can take this gospel message and I don't think I'm gonna carry on following. And my conversation uh, this morning is what happened between the two that, that triggered people in that way. So John chapter six, verse 49 says, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died eventually, you know. Uh, um, but there is bread that comes down from heaven, which uh, anyone may eat and not die. So it's a spiritual death, right? Uh, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats the, this bread will live forever. This bread, okay, next verse is hectic. Close your ears. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus said this to them. Very truly, I'll tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood, also very hectic, uh, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh drinks my blood as eternal life and will be raised up at the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Okay, I know this is very hectic. I'll explain it in a moment. Um, uh, on hearing this, many of his disciples said this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And verse 66, there it is, just so you know, it really is there from this time forward. Many of the disciples turned their back and no longer followed him. Uh, this is a good news message. It's going to end really well. I'm just telling you now, it's gonna end really well. It starts out a little chunky, but it's gonna end really well. Jesus is drawing a comparison between bread that you eat for your body and bread that you eat for your soul. He's expressing a concern that people only want one kind of bread, not realizing they need both. He's also saying, I'll give bread for your daily needs to anyone, saint and sinner alike. I'm very passionate about this. I think that the church should heal the sick, even if the sick are sinners. I think the church should love the world, even if the world is unsaved. 
I think that a paralyzed man should find a welcoming place and a confused person should have a spare seat at Father's house. Can you say amen to that? We Is that a clappable moment? We won't have spare seats for very much longer in all of our sites, uh, in our churches, I have a feeling, because I think the tidal wave of authentic food is rising. And by authentic food, I mean spiritual food. But Jesus is a little worried that people were following Him around to get a daily meal, but not get a spiritual meal. And He was worried that true discipleship is not just having your immediate need met, but having a deeper need met that was spiritual and internal. My conversation with you today is, do you know how to enjoy, prepare, and have the two or three, there are actually three meals that every person should know how to prepare spiritually to be well-fed in your soul. Have you ever met somebody who's just internally hungry? In other words, they're perhaps a little desperate. Perhaps they uh, have needs that never, never seem to be uh, met or can't ever seem to be met. We refer to people like that as being kind of a bottomless pit or a, a scenario or a circumstance where you just never seem to ever have enough to be happy or be in good enough relationship to be happy. That's what happens when you have bread for the body, but not bread for the soul. And no amount of more bread for the body is going to ever meet a hunger in the soul. It just can't be done that way. And isn't it amazing that some people are so well nourished spiritually that even if they don't have enough physically, they have the joy of the Lord as their strength. You can do with much less material stuff if you feel wealthy spiritually. But when you don't feel wealthy spiritually, you're tempted to pile on material values thinking it'll fix the hunger if this was an evening service and I get a little more hectic in the evening service. That's true, isn't it? That's true. I wore another man's sandals last Sunday night. Uh, uh, I had people rushing over with disinfectant. Pastor, I don't know if you did the right thing, but I did, I'm healed, I'm fine. If, was the, if this was the evening service, I would have said substituted hunger for thirst because thirst has its own meaning, doesn't it? That people who are thirsty, you don't know what I'm talking about. This is the born again service. But thirst or thirsty, let me, let me let you in a little on what that is. That's got like a bit of a sexual connotation to be thirsty for somebody. Now, oh, you didn't know that. You should follow me on TikTok. So I'll explain there. Um, so, but, but here's the thing. Does the Bible not say who hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be satisfied? There's an internal hunger and an internal thirst that can only be met spiritual, but when you confuse that feeling and try to feed it with something material, you will not grow, and at some point, you too will say, this is too hard, and I'm going to turn my back and no longer follow. Jesus goes on with his disciples and proves his point a second time, just two chapters later, or three, in John chapter 9. He talks about two kinds of blindness. So two types of bread and now two types of blindness. Jesus meets a man born blind. And the man calls out to Jesus and says, have mercy on me. It's in chapter nine from about verse one or two. 
Recently, a pastor in America got himself into a bit of trouble by practicing this. He physically spat into his hands and put it on the guy's eyes. And then he broadcast the service. It got onto the news. And then there was a COVID-like thing. So I thought I would also do it. Any volunteers here today? No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. On this occasion, Jesus makes mud with his spit and he tells the guy to go wash himself at the pool of Siloam. I reckon if you're going to practice this, make sure you've got a pool of Siloam nearby. Um, but, but here's what's happening. After saying this, he spits on the ground, verse 6, uh, made some mud with his saliva, put it on the man's eyes, go, he said, and wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, this word means the one sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And at this moment in time, I'm not there yet. Sorry, production, I'll get to that verse in a moment. At this point in time, the religious people are a little upset. They're upset because they don't really like the blind man or the man born blind. They think he's not educated enough. He's not fancy enough. He's not upper class enough to be a story, a testimony. So they pull him aside and they say, look, we don't, we're not even sure you were born blind. Yeah, call your parents. And they called his parents and, and the parents said, do you know, is this your son? Yes, he's my son. Do you know what happened to him? Well, I don't know what happened to him. I just know he was born blind. And they say to the blind man, I mean, did this really happen? You know how often people will tell you, did it really happen? But you know, you were there. And the blind man says, look, I don't know anything about the guy. I just know once I was blind, but now I see. Your theological problem is not going to dissolve my miraculous experience. You can fight about the theology. Religious people have to be very careful that we're still not unhappy. We don't have people who become unhappy that Jesus still heals people we think are undesirable or unacceptable or undeserving. I think the gospel should first go and touch the blind eyes and feed the hungry and reach out to the lost and not ask the question yet, are you right with God? First, meet the need. I want you to think about that. This is very powerful because the, the, the gospel goes on to say Jesus heard that they were upset with him and actually kicked him out of the temple. Amazing. The guy who got healed got kicked out of church. Jesus heard that they threw him out, verse 41. And he went and found him and he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man uh, said. Uh, Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, uh, you, you have now seen him. In fact, uh, he is the one speaking with you now. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and said, what? Are we the blind ones? And Jesus said, if you were blind, uh, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you see, your, your guilt remains. That part's a little intense. But let me explain to you what Jesus did. The order is very important. Heal the blind man and then take him pri- in public. Then take him privately and say, do you believe in Jesus? 
Yes, establish a relationship. The first meal was public and everybody could have it. The second meal is private and you must answer the question of believing. Now the church can keep feeding. That's one kind of food. But the second kind of food is private and you must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior personally. And Jesus must ask you the question, do you believe? And you must answer, yes, I believe. That's your second meal. I'm very worried that perhaps we live in a world in which uh, the church or spirituality must keep feeding us on a need we experience but never gets the permission to ask the tough question, do you believe? So let me ask you today, how pushy is the Lord allowed to be with you? How pushy? How forceful can he be to guide you to a better version of yourself? Does he have permission to touch your heart enough to say, change that, grow that, edit that, adjust that? Or would you say, no, I just like that first meal, just bread for today, my daily bread. Do you remember the story in the book of Mark of a paralyzed man? He gets sent down through the roof, right? And Jesus says, you're healed of your sins. And then the Pharisees said, how can he say that? And Jesus says, to show you that the Son of Man has power, I heal you of your sins and take up your bed and walk. Two meals, first course and second course on the same day, the physical one and the spiritual one. He received both meals and was healed in Jesus' name. Every one of us here has those needs, immediate personal needs, but deeper spiritual needs also. And you've got to eat from both of those meals. In Mark chapter 2, there's a conversation again about the value of what happens in our hearts, just as I described to you now of the paralyzed man. He had a need for his body to be healed, but he also had a need for his heart to be healed. The church must do both. The church must heal physical needs, but the church must also ask you if your heart is in the right place and touch that enough to cause or provoke a response. I worry sometimes that the church gets so spiritual that we leave people broken, but with an explanation. On the other hand, I worry sometimes that we fix problems without telling people, do you know how it got broken? Don't do that again, because it'll get broken. I think there's something important about the power of those two meals. There is another meal uh, I'm going to talk to you about in a moment. So when the disciples said, this is too hard for me, I'll rather not follow. It was when Jesus said, I can keep giving you bread and fish to eat every day, but I also want to tell you there's something you must change in your believing so that you're not hungry all the time. Remember the woman at the well? Give us water to drink so that I may never thirst again. The water you need is not the water from this well. The water you need is the water from that well, a well that springs up into everlasting water, into everlasting life. Every one of us needs both. And the church needs to be able to say that. I think the church should be a little more pushy on the second meal. I think we should be able to say to one another, how'd this break? 
and then pray and ask the Lord to make sure that whatever pattern is in your life that caused that breakage, that hunger or that thirst, that you can change it through believing. Can you say amen to that? Is that a capable moment? Okay. It doesn't mean we shouldn't give the meal, no matter how many times people are hungry. Just keep giving the meal. But somewhere in the relationship, there has to be a personal conversation that says, do you believe? You see, when somebody gets into a bad relationship and they get hurt and they come forward and they need help, I will pray that prayer every day and I will not ask you if you're a saint or a sinner. But I'm gonna look for an opportunity. It might be in that moment, it might be in another. And I'm gonna say to you, do you know why you're hurting? You're hurting because you made a decision that was outside of the will of God. You stepped out in unbelief. You took on a burden that God didn't intend for you. That burden sat on your shoulders until it broke. And Jesus can heal you of the breakage, but he can also put into you the value system and the conviction that you will never get into a relationship like that again. We should never create a bunch of people who are just sort of awkwardly dependent on, you know, God in an awkward way. By awkward, I mean, Lord, I'm permanently broken. Please fix me. No, Lord, I'm broken. Fix me. And then, Lord, make me strong again. Make me strong again. I think that's a very important value. We can't just keep staying broken. The church, you know, recently someone said to me, I think the church is very important. It exists for broken people. No, you're wrong. It exists for people who once were broken, but now are strong, who once were lost, but now are found, who once were in darkness, but now are in the light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who once had no family, but now are in the family and the household of faith. You're wrong. What you're describing is just the beginning of my story, not all of my story. The rest of my story is rooted and founded in what God did for me and through me that changed my identity. So there are a couple of things I want to take out of this practically, three things. On the three meals, I think every Christian needs to know how to prepare or enjoy. The first is the public meal, corporate worship. Hey, online, I think you're part of our corporate worship too. And even if you watch this later than live, by the way, we're almost at 8,000 subscribers in our YouTube church. So don't you want to subscribe and join the church that way? I don't know, I just thought I'd give it a go. But public worship is a meal prepared by others. Somebody prepared a seat. Somebody prepared a song. Somebody prepared a sermon. I don't have another S, but somebody prepared a coffee. And I, I can only say that that is also a gift from the Lord. And you come and you participate. You should have such a meal. It's open to everyone. The 5,000, whether saint or sinner, a priest or prostitute, they all came to Jesus and Jesus gave a certain amount of himself to everyone. That meal should always be open to all. I don't care, I care. I don't, it doesn't bother me if you're going through an identity thing or a pronoun thing or a divorce thing or a, it doesn't matter. You come and you receive 
the, the, the life-saving meal of a Savior that says, we will prepare a meal for you, no problem. But the second meal, that's your felt need, by the way. What's your felt need? Some people come to church just because they need a hug. They should get a hug. But then there's that private meal. It's the meal that comes from answering the question, do you believe in an area of your life? You know, sometimes people come and say, George, I got myself in a financial mess. Have you got 300 bucks? I need to just sort something out. I've discovered over the years, because I learned it in myself, you never have a financial problem. You have a management of your circumstances problem that is manifesting as a financial problem. So when I give 300 bucks, it's a month and there's another need. You know why? Because the meal, public meal is 300 bucks. The private meal is, can we sit with your budget? Do you see how pushy that might sound? Say you come to me and say, George, I just need 300 bucks to get me through a situation. Sure, here's 300 bucks, public meal. Private meal, can we sit with your budget so you never get in the situation? Most people say yes to the 300 and no to the budget. How pushy can the Lord be? George, can you pray for me because I'm feeling vulnerable? Sure, let's pray. Let's answer the question. Are you living in right relationship with your community and your people? I'm not keen to talk about that right now. There's that second he goes to the blind man, do you believe? Tell me who you are and I will believe. Yes, I believe. The woman at the well. Some say uh, we should worship at the mountain. Some say, Jesus said, don't worry about the mountain. Don't worry about the river. Just worship the, the man. I so wish people would stop worshiping organizations and buildings and styles of church. Just find the man in the meeting. And if you're sharp, you'll find him in a lot of different kinds of meetings. I found the man in quiet meetings and charismatic meetings and conservatively quiet services, but I found Jesus sitting in the room in all kinds of places. Find the man in the meeting. And then there is a third, so that's my faith need. My first is my felt need. My second is my faith need. What I really need is the, is the answer Jesus really has. And then there is a third one, a meal I prepare for others. I wish we would get that far in our wholeness. I know they're here, so I won't embarrass them. But I might by accident, you know how that happens uh, sometimes. I decided I would take a couple of first years out for a coffee this week. First year students. I went to something good a couple of times. It's a restaurant here, Cape Town. We do have some good ones. And I felt very much like a dad. As they ordered things I haven't been allowed to eat in a decade. One ordered a milkshake. I took a look at it and I thought, how nice would that be? But I would require a pharmacy of chemicals to allow me to eat that. But here's the thing I, I really wanted to do. I wanted to do for young people what I had wished somebody had done for me when I first got to the university. From a little town in KZN, everything was overwhelmingly big for me. When they told you go to this classroom or that lecture venue, it seemed miles away. In places foreign to me, 
in language and branding I didn't understand. I felt a little confused and a little uncertain and it took me a while to find my footing. And I, I so wished somebody had said, it's easy. You just do this and I'll take you there. And you do that and I'll take you there. And then you do the next and I'll take you there. I would have settled in a little easier. I wonder if you're willing to do for others what you so keenly need yourself. And I wonder if the third meal, the meal prepared by me for others, isn't when we reach a kind of place of maturity. In a couple of days, uh, almost all of our churches will launch Alpha. It's a conversation and an interview on video that's 10 weeks long. It includes an actual meal, bread, you eat for the body. It includes a spiritual meal, food for the soul. It includes a personal meal, invite a friend. It's good for people who've been Christians for years and people who've just started. It's totally worth it because it's interviewing scientists and TV personalities and film stars. It interviews pastors and Christians of all walks of life. And it teaches you how to have a firm foundation, how to have a baptism or fulfillment of the Holy Spirit and how to live a Christian life. I wanna invite you all to Alpha at all our churches. And one of the reasons why that course is so significant in the context of this, the Gospel of Toast conversation is, it's important that we have our felt need met. I need something today. That we have our faith need met. It's something I didn't know I need, but now that I've got it, I feel better. And I feel right. And it's important that we fulfill our functional need, which is the reason why we're on this planet. We're on this planet to do good, make a difference, and leave another generation feeling a little better about the future than the anxiety that maybe we grew up in. One day, I want somebody to say, the church did a good job setting us up for, for a victorious win. I'm grateful I've got spiritual backing for what the future looks like. I really wanna encourage you to think about how deep you'll allow the Lord to go. Meet my daily needs. Give us the star daily bread. Meet my deeper need. Do you believe in that area of your life? And meet my divine purpose need. What on earth am I here for? If you can learn how to prepare those three meals, public worship, private worship, and personal functional worship, doing for the Lord, you'll never be hungry. There'll be something inside of you that says, I'm good and I'm in the right place doing the right thing and I feel good about my place in the world. I'll also feel I have a, a good understanding of my place in heaven. We do live in two worlds. We live in a physical one and a spiritual one. We live on earth and in heaven in a way. We eat the bread a small boy gave and the bread which is the body of Christ. That's that intense part. And Jesus was simply saying, don't only eat the bread from a shop. Eat also the bread from heaven. The bread that comes by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then having belief in every area of your life after that. In a moment, I'm going to invite us to stand and pray. My prayer will be that you will be able to answer the question, 
Do you believe in an area of your life? To believe to be saved, to be, believe to be healed, to believe to find community, to believe to find purpose. And maybe that'll meet a need, a hunger, that'll solve a lot of other needs in your life. So churches, will you please stand with me as we take a moment to pray? So excited. I know that some of you may be revving for the coffee shop. I know, I know the engines are. But I, I this next minute is crucial. And I wonder if we could take a moment to just close our eyes and reflect on the three meals, spiritual meals. The one prepared for me. And I, I participate in in public. The, the one prepared privately just for me and the Lord, a devotional, a response to a question, and the one I prefer for someone else. I get nothing out of it, but I want to give it away. And I want you to answer the question in your heart, how much permission does the Lord have to be pushy? Can the Lord lean in a little and ask you to change your ways in something? Lay down something, take up something, repent about something, receive something. Is he allowed to do that? Could you respond and say, in your own heart, and say, Lord, I give you permission to be pushy in my heart because you already have in mind the miracle when you put me through a test. You already have in mind the miracle. And then finally, I, I want to invite you to respond like the blind man did. Do you believe? He received his sight, so he sees it but now he must receive it. And maybe you see it, you see the whole spiritual thing, but you need to receive it. And I'm gonna invite you to receive today. If you're in the place where you're ready to respond, to say, I do believe. I believe Jesus is my Savior. He turns all the parts of my heart on and fills every gap I, I have. If that's where you're at, I just want you to pray a prayer with me. And it's going to appear on the screen. It'll be online too. And once you've prayed it, you can connect with us either through our Facebook page or YouTube or uh, our website or at a church. If you're at a church, go to the front and have a conversation and get a Bible if you don't have one. Uh, some of our churches have Bibles available. And some it's just a hello card that says, sign me up for an Alpha or a course so I can grow. But here's the prayer. I'll pray it for you. You can join me in your own hearts. You don't have to do it out loud, but in your own hearts. It says this from John. Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debt of sin has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe you and I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Before you rush off, I'm gonna pray a blessing over you. I'm gonna remind you that the coffee shop is open and in some of our churches, starting point, lesson one, happens straight after the service. 
and we'll still be here for a bit. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that You have prepared a meal for us. Your Word says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thank You, Lord, for the bread of life. Thank You that You are the bread from heaven. Thank You that we can have our daily need met, but also our eternal spiritual need met. And we make ourselves available to prepare a meal for somebody else so that we can leave a world better than we found it. Would you please help us learn how to prepare these three meals in Jesus' name. And everybody said, one more shout of praise as we end the service. <laughs>